welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, happy Sunday. So great to see you. This is a very, very special Sunday uh, online, but also we are in person for our official, official, what we're calling really is a relaunch back into a venue. It's been 23 months that we have not met physically in a physical location together, and now we're back at a brand new location and our original time, which is 10 a.m., even though we're still coming at you online every week at 10.30. For those that do not feel comfortable coming into a live environment, or if you're watching from abroad and you're connected with us, we're still going to be coming at you like this every single week for a shorter uh, uh, Sunday experience starting at 10.30. But we are back online. We'd love for you to join us if you're local and you're available to come 10 a.m. on Sundays at Overflow Brewing Company. We're just so thankful that we get the opportunity to again meet. There's such a, something so powerful when people come together with one purpose to just love on Jesus, worship God together, and be encouraged in their soul, in their spirit. Something powerful always takes place. That's what we're about. We want to see people uh, everywhere really experience God in a real way. So come on out if you are available. A lot of people have been asking us, do you have a kids program, youth program? Let me just say this. We are on a journey of relaunching everything, getting things back into gear again. It's been over two, almost two years, like I said, and so we do have a family room available where we encourage you to come be with your kids. They can be there, um, you know, one of the spouses if they're available or if you're a single mom, you can also be there as well or keep your kids in the experience. Keep them in during worship. We're encouraging the youth to be in worship with us as well until we can kickstart uh, a youth program as well as, like I said, for kids, uh, having our kids our kids program reignited again, restarted again. It will be a process, but we will be doing it, okay? So give us grace in this season as we relaunch all the things that were once a part of our Sunday experience. But we still encourage you to come out. Don't forget to RSVP. And uh, if you want to get involved, join on, get joined on to the team to be uh, participating in this next season. We'd love to have you. You can click the link below and we'll get all that information to you. I want to open up with a kind of an obscure uh, verse <clears throat> to open up a message with, especially on a day, on a launch day, and that's John chapter 11, verse 35, the shortest written verse uh, in the Bible, and it says this, then Jesus wept. Something so powerful in that, that verse, something so powerful in the verse in context to why he wept. This is such a deep, deep moment. And he wept because of his friend Lazarus, you know, the brother of Martha and Mary. And, um, you know, we, we know that his love for Lazarus was deep because in verse 36, there were people 
standing nearby and they said, see how much he loved Lazarus. There was this deep weeping. It wasn't just like a, a small weep. There was something that would have had to happen to get the attention of those standing by. He wept because of his friend Lazarus. Now, if you know the story of Lazarus, he was sick and then he died. And he was in the tomb for four days. And this was a friend, like I said, of Jesus. And so he felt the emotion. And I think this emotion that God feels <clears throat> really encapsulates the last two years or the condition of the last two years and state of what's been going on around the world and how much the church has or hasn't responded correctly or pivoted correctly. He weeps for his bride, his church. He weeps for his friends that are trapped, that are isolated, feeling the grip of death and darkness. So many people in their businesses, in their relationships, in their families, in so many other areas of their life feel gripped with darkness, feel gripped with oppressive fear, feel gripped with isolation because of what's been taking place. And I just want to say this at the forefront of this message, that Jesus sees you and that he's felt what you felt just as he wept for Lazarus. I just believe he's been weeping for us, metaphorically speaking, and actually literally speaking. He's been feeling what we have been going through. Now, for those that know, <clears throat> and I'll read this in a few moments, you know that Lazarus is raised back to new life, okay? He was dead for four days, as I mentioned, and he was resurrected. You know this because also of the miracle where Mary pours out the incredible perfume offering in John chapter 12, just one chapter later, which was a year's worth of, of salary, which turned a lot of heads. And we know this because it was likely motivated because of his brother, her brother Lazarus being raised from the dead. She didn't know that her offering, like Jesus said, she was doing this to, in preparation for my burial. Mary didn't fully understand that, but what she didn't understand was thankfulness. What she didn't understand is that he is worthy of it all, giving her, giving him a year's worth of salary in the, in, in the, in, in the, the content or context, sorry, of perfume. This radical offering poured out on the feet of Jesus. He was worthy because of the resurrection of Lazarus. She was so thankful. And of course, this was the way that she offered her thankfulness back to Jesus in worship. And even though Jesus knew, and this is what I want to say about this weeping part, Jesus knew how the story would end. He still wept. Interesting, because you'd think that because he knows how the story's going to end, Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead, there's no need to weep. There should be joy. There should be laughter. There should be celebration. But yet he still weeps. This demonstrates his deep care for his people. And we know that Jesus knew what was going to happen because he actually said it, he'll rise again. In the beginning of John chapter 11, even though he was sick and even though he went asleep and died, Lazarus was dead, Jesus actually said it will be that the glory of God will be revealed through this act. It was for the glory of God that this happened and that he will be raised to new life and he will not die. Now, I, you know, I, I, I kind of said this in the beginning. I think a lot of us think and compare often what we feel as our freedom being robbed in Canada and North America and often we compare it to, you know, overseas. We compare it to what's happening overseas in many other countries where people don't have freedom like we do. 
and yet we're going through this pandemic and we feel like our freedoms are being robbed. And yes, our freedoms are being robbed. But when you juxtapose, you know, two different, you know, experiences of what freedom being robbed looks like, you realize in Canada, hey, we're still pretty free and we still have it pretty good. And that does not negate or that does not, uh, you know, deflect all that we've gone through in Canada. We still are going through stuff. We're still feeling the pain of it. We're being affected by it. And we can't forget that. And I love this because I love, I read this quote, I read this quote um, that really stuck out to me regarding the story of Lazarus online. It was an anonymous quote. I'm going to read it to you. It says this, he cried, speaking of Jesus, he cried. He knew Lazarus was dead before he got the news, but still he cried. He knew Lazarus would be alive again in moments, but still he cried. He wept because knowing the end of the story doesn't mean you can't cry at the sad parts. So even though God knows the end of the story of what we're going through in Canada, God knows the end of the story of what you're going through in your business, your relationship, your family, your career, whatever it is that you're going through right now, even though God knows the end of the story, and even though you may know the end of the story, you may see it by faith, you know you're going to get through this season. It doesn't mean that the season isn't sad. It doesn't mean that it's not been hard. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care even though he knows the end of the story and there's joy on the other side. Sometimes pain, pain for the moment is just a setup for joy on the other side, but it doesn't mean you won't feel the pain. And even though, like I said, you'll know, you know, you'll, you'll make it through one day. Some of you can see the other side of this season, however tough it's been or is right now, it's still been a sad season. I say all this to emphasize or empathize with the emotional and mental struggle that this last season has had. Now, I want to dive into the story of Lazarus, and I want to just give us some, some basic foundation to understand the story a little different. The name Lazarus, okay, who was raised from the dead, his name in the Hebrew means God is my help. God is my help. And in scripture, y'all, you, you often see the answer to the problem in the person's name because names have meaning. You often see how the person's name is reflected in their purpose, destiny, and storyline in scripture. So his name, Lazarus, means in the Hebrew, God is my help. And he was from a place called Bethany. And this word Bethany means house of misery and affliction. House of misery and affliction. And it feels like to me a prophetic statement that God is my help when I feel like I'm in misery and affliction. This pandemic has felt like misery and affliction to so many. And once again, once you juxtapose it against other places in the world, you realize that you don't have it so bad. And I'm not trying to say that just because we, you know, it's it's been challenging and complicated that we really don't have freedom in Canada. And I do see a lot of what's going on as simply a doorway to potential problems down the road and more controls and more overreach, but we can't forget what we do have. We can't forget the freedom that we do have. But it has felt for so many people who've lost their businesses, who've gone through divorce because of the pressures of this pandemic and other things that have gone on as a result, it's felt like misery and affliction. But to know that God is your help while you're in it. And God is calling you out of that in this next season. He's calling you out of misery and affliction. God is your help. He's going to help you through it. The days are ahead. 
and this is a prophetic statement for you, are going to be better than the days that were behind in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so I just believe that this last season has felt like a metaphoric, you know, metaphorical Bethany of sorts in so many ways. And I want to continue reading on and just really unpacking the story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, because it's all interconnected. John chapter 11, verse 38 says this, Jesus was still angry, still angry. Now, to give you a little bit of a context again, you open up in John chapter 11, Lazarus is sick, he's not dead yet, he hears about it, gets a message from Mary and Martha, he's on his way, he's taking days, he could have rushed it, but he didn't, because he knew the end of the story. And sometimes God does not answer you in the timeline you want him to answer you in because he knows the end of the story. You don't. We often get frustrated at God. I, I need this now. And God thinks to himself, you don't actually need this now. You need this then or over there or at this point. But we often feel like everything has to happen now. We think that we are the God of our timeline. Let me just tell you this. God is the God of your timeline. God knows what you need when you need it. Mary and Martha wanted the healing to happen now, but God wanted a resurrection. Mary and Martha wanted, wanted Lazarus to, to, to get healed of his sickness because they probably didn't have it in their grid that Jesus would be able to resurrect Lazarus. Even though they knew all the stories, they'd heard the reports, they seen the crazy miracles for their own life. They didn't believe it was possible. Often like us, we can believe for miracles for other people. We celebrate other people's breakthroughs, but that we don't think it can happen to us. We don't believe it can happen to us. It happened to them, but maybe not us. And this is the state of Mary and Martha. Okay, so just to give you a little bit of context. So now he's dead and he comes and he's there. He finds out, and obviously he already knew Lazarus was dead, but he's there. He sees the weeping. He sees Mary and Martha going through what they're going through. And it says in verse 38, Jesus was still angry. Now there's theological debate on what this word means in the Greek when you break it down. Two different thought processes. But one of the main thought processes for this word anger could mean to snort as a horse would out of fear and anger to snort. It's like an aggressive emotion. The other sort of theological uh, uh, sort of, you know, other side of the debate is that it actually means a deep-seated compassion, a deep-seated com compassion. Whatever the case may be, it was an aggressive emotion. And as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across it, its entrance, verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus said, but Mary, or Martha, sorry, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't, and you can see, by the way, the unbelief in this whole process, because the fact that Jesus is being argued or, you know, being protested against, so to speak, by Martha and Mary, who were hoping Jesus would heal their brother, you could, you could see the thread of unbelief through this whole interaction. Verse uh, 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory? If you believe, trying to encourage faith. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Because sometimes you got to say it loud for those in the back so they hear. Jesus actually wasn't really praying for resurrection. He wasn't asking God for resurrection. He was just publicly interacting with the Father because he had already prayed. 
He already knew the outcome. He was just saying, listen, I just want them to hear me communicate to you that you hear me so that when they see Lazarus raised from the dead, they will be encouraged in their faith. And sometimes that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, about the glory of God being revealed to those around you. It's not about necessarily just praying and believing every time. No, God already showed him the outcome. Therefore, now my interaction with God is just so that they know and there's evidence that can be held up in the spiritual courts that they heard me say it and they watched the miracle take place. And sometimes people need to hear it and need to get it loud in the back because they're not listening. Then he says this, he shouted, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So for our launch, and even though you're not with us in person, you're watching right now, live with us or after the fact, for our launch, I want to kick off this relaunch on February 6th on Sunday with a message title and subject that I actually have been pondering and praying off and on through since December 2019. December 2019 and into January, I remember I had this word, I had this this title. Sometimes God will give me a title of a message to frame what he wants to speak to me. It's like he gives me the skeleton or he gives me the architectural blueprint. And then he's like, now I want you to fill the rooms. I want you to design the rooms, but I'm going to give you the outline first. He'll give me the title as the start, starting point of my outline as a word, as a message. And he gave me this, this title in 2019 of December. And I thought it was going to be for January. And I was going to come out with this in January. And as I was praying through this in January of 2020, God is like, no, it's not for now. I kept feeling a no, a no, a no, it's not for now. And then March 2020 hit and the world went into a pandemic and we were shut down for 23 months. Or we, you know, we were in some form of quarantine lockdown for 23 months, at least for kingdom culture with venue challenges and all those kinds of things. And so I just felt like when the time comes that we relaunch again and are live and in person, this is a word for that moment. I really felt the Lord say that to me. And so it made sense to drop the mic today on a subject that really has been a 23 month slow brew. It's like a, it's like a sweet wine. It's like an, 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 an aged cheddar. It's like a, uh, a 23 month scotch, you know, whatever, whatever it is that relates to you, this is that. And I believe it's going to really encourage you. So today I'm announcing we, you, are coming out of isolation. You, we as a collective are coming out of isolation. And I publicly announced this message on the heels of one of the most challenging seasons that most of the world collectively in the last hundred years has ever faced at the same time with a little bit of fear. Acknowledging that we're not necessarily out of the woods, but I want to propose a different perspective that no matter what happens in the next three to six months, we are not returning to perspectives, inner beliefs, and negative outcomes that were in the last season because God is strengthening his house, his people, and his kids. Why? Because isolation, it ruins, it confuses, it robs, distorts, and limits 
our thinking and beliefs as God's people. Something we all need to consistently make sure we're coming out of. Some of us have isolated parts of our lives for decades, our dreams. We've isolated them in a dark room, you know, because of discouragement, because of pain, because of, you know, maybe circumstances haven't allowed us to engage them. So we've locked them away, almost forgotten about them. It's time for your dreams to come out of isolation. Your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations to come out of isolations, your heavenly ambitions. Our faith demonstrated in the marketplace. We've isolated our faith six days a week. We come out in faith on Sunday maybe, and that's where we engage our faith. But God wants you to take faith out of isolation the other six days of the week and see how that impacts the marketplace, your career, your vocation, your home life, your individual life. It's time to take faith and its impact out of isolation. Our fears, rather than dealing with them, we keep them isolated only to increase their grip within us. We keep them away. We don't want to deal with these fears. Like the, we have our fears and it's kind of an identity thing now. It's like, this just, I can't do that. I'm, I'm just not like that and I'll never do that. And, and we keep these fears locked away. It's time for those fears to come out of isolation and be dealt with in this season. Or how about our sicknesses? We have found security, identity, and even value in these sicknesses rather than taking the steps forward in healing. We've held on to them in an unhealthy way, even to the point of claiming it, and I've heard this often said, this is my disease. This is my sickness. This is my disability. It's a language-changing season. No longer are you going to declare it's your sickness. It's your disease. No, it is a disease. It is a sickness, but it's not your promise. It's not your inheritance. It's not God's best for you. And so this identity, this challenge, this issue is coming out of isolation so God can deal with your language, so God can position you to actually receive what he's always wanted to give you. So when we come out of isolation, we have to deal with a few things. And I like to outline three specific things that we need to deal with that we see in the story of Lazarus found in John chapter 11. Number one, write this down. The smell of the environment. The smell of the environment. John chapter 11, verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is terrible. So even though the smell is terrible, Jesus says, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? But I want to just acknowledge this. The smell is terrible. The reason why, I mean, lots of reasons. It's a carcass, it's a dead uh, human in a tomb. And the day, day four, that's when decomposition would begin to, the body would begin to decompose and the smell would get a lot more, a lot more intense. And the reason why this four days is significant because Jew, Jewish scholars and Jewish teachers actually had an idea that the spirit wandered about the burial place for three days, which was called the days of weeping, seeking an opportunity to return to the body. This is what some of them would have, would have believed in this time, that this body, while it was there for the first three days, there was maybe a chance for the spirit to return to the body and they would wander around for three days in the place of burial, seeking an opportunity to return to the body. But then on the fourth day, when decomposition would set in, the spirit would leave the grave and the people would beat their chests in loud lamentations for four more days, making it the day of mourning, which equals seven days 
of mourning. Or sorry, making it, it was still, yeah, the day, it was loud lamentations, which then seven days would equal the day, days of mourning. But God had a promise that even though the smell was bad, that even though the environment was horrible, that he would do a miracle. And this environment really represents for all of us this smell that comes with isolation. I'm speaking metaphorically here. deals with our past, the things that are haunting us, the struggles in our life, the addictions, the things that keep us trapped, the things that when we get around other people, you may not be able to smell it, but everyone else can. You may not be aware of it, but everyone else is. It's like bad breath. You don't know you have it, but everyone else does. And that's often what happens when we've been in that type of place. We come out. We don't know what's going on, but everyone else does. God wants to deal with this smell in this season. He wants to help you let go of those things that are holding you back. Let go of the past. Let go of the things that are holding you down. The struggles, the addiction. Some of the things that maybe for the last two years you've been dealing with that maybe, maybe it's been depression. Maybe it's been some sort of mental torment. Maybe it's been just a dark way of looking at life and no longer do you have faith. And people have prayed for you who are sick and you were never healed. And so therefore, man, God doesn't love me. He's healing everybody else around me, but he must not love me because I'm not being healed. And you have this, this smell of unbelief or this smell of, of just discouragement on you. Hey, there's no condemnation there. We all go through seasons where we are discouraged, where we struggle, where it's, we're like, oh God, I just, why isn't it working for me? Like what's wrong with me? And the enemy really works within that and he works within that and we isolate ourselves from people and because people are just a reminder of all the breakthroughs that aren't happening in our life. It's like how many people don't want to hang around happy people when they're not doing well. It's only simply a reminder of how much you're not doing or how much how bad you're doing when you get around people that are doing really well or are happier than you. And I just believe God wants to deal with stuff of this nature in this season. We need a change of past environment. We need a change of circumstance to help us move forward. The smell of where we've been, the place of isolation from your destiny, in a sense from God and from people, the stench of the past, like I mentioned, not to remind us of our past, our history, or our old life, but Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. No matter how painful your past is, no matter how much it's haunting you in this last season, no matter how smelly it has gotten, I just believe God's promise over you is that as you move forward, as you focus on this one thing, you will be able to move past. The word for forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead means to overlook, especially the effects that go with falling or failing to notice. The negative effects, the negative impacts on your life that are a result of focusing on your past. God is calling you to forget about it, to overlook it. Obviously, it's not going to ever leave your mind, but to overlook it and not be affected negatively by it is what he is talking about in the book of Philippians. I remember when I fully gave my life to Jesus, I literally had to pull myself out of some environments because some of those environments really smelt like garbage. And I knew that if I hung around those environments that smelt like garbage for too long, I would begin to smell again like garbage as I was prior. 
And so I had to pull myself out of some environments. I had to, in a good way, isolate myself for a season so I can build foundation, so I can build strength in my life. I can build confidence and boldness so that when I go back into those environments at a later date, I was now the one influencing, not the one being influenced. And so these are important things as we come out of isolation in this season. Some of you, you know, you've developed some stuff in the last two years. You've developed some habits. You've been in some environments that have been toxic for you. In this season, God is calling you out of those environments. He's going to detox you. He's going to spiritually detox you from environments that have been toxic in your spiritual walk so you can move forward and forget what was so that you can move towards what lies ahead. Number two, write this down. We have the unbelief of possibility. The unbelief of possibility. Our unbelief isolates us from God and what is possible. John chapter 11, verse 21. Martha then said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. If you'd only been here. Limiting what was possible. That it the miracle can only happen if you are here. The miracle can't happen after the fact. The miracle can't happen, God, in your timing. It can't happen because now he's dead. He smells. It's been four days. It is impossible. I've limited what is possible because I've been in an isolated space. Now, we're not talking about Martha and Mary being in physical isolation here. But Mar- Mar- Martha and Mary had isolated their faith. They had isolated their faith. And as a result, there was an unbelief in what was possible in this situation. John chapter 11, verse 22, the next verse. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will grant it to you. Jesus said to you, said to her, your brother shall rise again. And without even acknowledging what he just said, Martha replies, yeah, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. There was no way in her mind Jesus could be talking about right now. There was no way. She had limited, because of unbelief, what was possible. She's thinking in her mind, yeah, the last day, you know, we're all going to rise again. You know, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am myself the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me adheres to trust in and relies on me. Although he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever continues to live and believe and believes in and the Amplified says it has faith in, cleaves to, and relies on, me shall never actually die at all. Do you believe this, he says. She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, even he who was come, who was to come into the world. It is for your coming that the world was waited, has waited. She still is not able to see what he's really saying. Not only was Lazarus unable to believe, being that he was dead, Mary and Martha were also unable to believe, even though they were both alive. And this often, we're not even aware of this. We can be doing our thing, we can be living our life, and we are often unaware of how we limit what is possible in and through our life and in our relationship with God. We limit what is possible because we isolate parts of our life. We compartmentalize parts of our life. We say, okay, well, God can do this here, but God can't do this here. It's like God can work in my individual life, but God can't work in my marriage. God can work in my job, but God can't work in my finances or vice versa. God can work in my kids, but God can't work in me because he doesn't love me or, or I'm, a bad, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad father, I'm a bad mother. Or, we have these limiting belief systems because 
we isolate parts of our life that we don't want to open to God and potentially open ourselves up to something that doesn't make sense, something miraculous in and through our life. Remember, Martha came to him basically saying, it's too late. She basically was saying, it's too late. It's too late for, for the smell is terrible. It's, base, it's too late. You cannot do this miracle. But with God, it's never too late. And that's why he honed in on this. I am the resurrection and the life. And if you can just get a hold of that, you can realize that anything is possible. Anything is possible. So we have, number two, we have the unbelief of possibility. Number three, we have the bondage of isolation. The bondage of isolation. John chapter 11, verse 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Let me ask you a question. How many feel this last season in some ways has wrapped you up in the bondage of disappointment, discouragement, failure, lost hope, dead dreams and vision? Like I've said earlier, how many feel like you've been wrapped up with just, just straight up hopelessness? How are you going to make it? Maybe you're wrapped up from this last season because you got a little older. You feel like you're even further gone than you were pre-pandemic. You feel like you can't start again. You feel like you're too old to begin again. You're too old to start new things. You just feel wrapped up. This isolation has put a bondage on you. It's wrapped you. It's like mummified you spiritually in areas where you just feel restricted. You feel like you can't walk. You can't move forward. Everything's tied together, stuck. You feel stuck in life. You feel like, you know, you've been given new life, but you're still wearing the grave clothes of the past, the smell and unbelief that still follows you. Your past sin and struggle still haunt you. You know, we have a, a mental, often, revelation of God's goodness. We have a mental understanding that we are a new creation in Christ. But sometimes we can be so bound up with disappointment, discouragement, that we actually aren't able to live out what is just a mental revelation. God doesn't want you just to have understanding up here. He wants you to have understanding in here that causes experience, that causes you to move in action. Faith without works is dead. Faith active is real faith. Faith positioned to believe for whatever God's promised you is real faith. Faith right here in principle does not get you anywhere. Not get you anywhere. We, we even hear a story of a father who had a demon-possessed uh, son, child, and, and you know, Jesus was was working with him. The disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And, and the father says to Jesus, admitting that he had a mental revelation, but on a heart understanding, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, principally speaking, you can do this. I've heard the stories, but I'm having a hard time right here. Therefore, I can't position. I can't move myself towards it. I believe here, but I don't believe here. God wants to unwrap that discouragement, unwrap that area of our life that's causing us to not believe and move forward in Jesus' name, I believe, in this next season. But the thing is, Lazarus didn't just walk out of the tomb. He was unwrapped and set free for the remnant remnant of his past in this moment. So even when Lazarus walked out, he still had to go through a process where he had to get rid of some stuff that was still on him. In this season, you're going to come out of isolation. Um, once again, I'm speaking metaphorically. I'm not saying that everybody's been in like this 
like physical isolation, you know, like comparing it to Lazarus, like this dark cave and, you know, this paralyzed and not doing anything with your life. I'm not saying that, but there are areas of our life that I believe we have been in isolation in that we are coming out of in this season. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to still have to go through a process of unwrapping some stuff that's still attached to us, so to speak. There are some things that represent our past, things that represent the past season that I believe God is going to cause us to be unwrapped and unraveled in our life. In one moment, Lazarus went from death to life. And Jesus is saying to us today, come forth, we who feel dead. He is calling us to leave the tomb of the old and walk into the new. But first, something had to happen. Before Lazarus could come up, before he could be unwrapped from the bondage that was in his isolation, he had something had to be removed. It says in John chapter 11, verse 38 and 39, or sorry, verse 39, let's go there. Roll the stone aside. Roll the stone aside. Jesus said a key word here. Roll the stone aside. Something had to be rolled aside first for Lazarus to come out. When we came into this season as kingdom culture, we had this hashtag, this tag that we kind of used, and it was based actually on what I felt was a really um, now prophetic type message when we first came into March 2020 and we were in this pandemic. We didn't know how long it was going to be. Everyone thought three weeks would be out of the woods. You know, most people did anyways at one point in the very beginning. And it was this tag, Quarantined for Revival. Quarantined for Revival. You can actually go back. I don't remember what the message title was called. It might have even been called Quarantine for Revival. I actually forget now. But Quarantine for, for, for Revival was sort of a hashtag that we used quite a bit in the beginning. And that whatever was happening, we were going to pivot and we were going to get good out of it. Because God is so good that even when stuff happens that we don't like or agree with, God is so redemptive that we're going to find that redemptive purpose in whatever it is that we're going through. And so we we prayed this, that, that you know, there would be things in our life that would be revived as a result. And some people, many people, have experienced the best of their lives in this quarantine. And the other side of it, there are many people that have experienced the worst of their lives in this quarantine. And whatever perspective you've had really deter or would have determined what you got out of it. It doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard. It doesn't mean that we had our moments. But ultimately, these moments what uh, that feel like darkness often have the greatest experience of light. You, you, you really can see the power of a candle when it's completely dark. You don't really notice a candle when the environment's already lit. But when it's dark, man, you see the light. You have an experience with the light. The light really lights up the darkness. And so you've been in darkness. And for many people, they felt revived in many areas of our lives. And I want to remind us because, you know, in Scripture we see this. I mean, I'm just going to nail down a few here. But Joseph, in the Old Testament, not, not the stepfather of, of Jesus, but Joseph, in Genesis, he was quarantined in a pit. He was quarantined in a prison before he began managing it and was promoted and became a savior of sorts to so many people. Paul, the apostle, was quarantined in prison before some of his best letters were ever written. The 120 in the book of Acts chapter 2 were quarantined in a small space called the upper room until the power of the Holy Spirit showed up, which marked the beginning of all that we know today as the church. 
Jesus was quarantined in a tomb, of course, until his resurrection on the third day. And Lazarus, as we're talking about, was quarantined in a tomb as well. And we all know the end of that story. All these quarantine moments, all these what felt like lockdown moments, all these prison-type moments, isolated moments, ended with promotion, revival, and a reformed life. And so I want to declare that we haven't just been quarantined for revival in this season. That we've been quarantined for resurrection and transformation. You see, they rolled the stone away, and the stone represents the stone of the law. Okay? The law of sin and death was written on stone. The Mosaic law was written on stone. We see this in the book of, uh, the book of Exodus. The law that was given to Moses, written on stone. The new law was written on our hearts. Romans chapter 2, verse 15 says the Gentiles have the law written on their hearts. Their consciousness, their consciences convict them. Their, the law was written on their hearts. They just know right from wrong. When the law was removed, when the stone was removed, just like the law was fulfilled through Jesus. This is a picture now. This whole story of Lazarus is a prophetic foreshadowing of the gospel. It's a prophetic foreshadowing of the salvation of our soul. That once the law was fulfilled and the veil was torn, Jesus fulfilled the law. The stone was removed and new life was given. Resurrection life was given. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of, the, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The story of Lazarus is a total picture of the born again experience, rolling away the strength of sin, which is the law. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Once the law is rolled away, we no longer are under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We are under his grace. We are saved not by the law, not by our good works, not by following the rule book. We are saved by grace through faith. This is the new covenant. It's a better covenant. Okay? Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Romans chapter 7, verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, the law, produced in me every kind of coveting, evil desire, the word is. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Sin was dead. So once the stone was removed, life could come. Your sin has tried to cancel you. The world's influence has tried to cancel you. The devil has tried to cancel you. Isolation had trapped you to cancel you. But God says to you today, you have already been canceled. My gospel is a cancel culture gospel. I'm going to go against the grain right now. My gospel is a cancel culture gospel. I have canceled your old life, your sin, your addiction, your old ways, and raised you to new life. Romans 6 verse 8. And since we, what, died, our life was canceled with Christ. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Galatians 2 verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, because it's been canceled, but Christ who lives in me. You can't cancel what's already dead. So rise up free from people's opinion of your smelly, unbelieving, and bondage that you're still wrapped up with in this, this next season and come out of your isolation. This is my prophetic call over the house, 
over you that are watching, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to come out in faith in this next season of the place that you've been. It's time to get out of the mindsets. Time to get out of a little, get out of the news for a little bit. Erase those things out of your life that are keeping that smell on your life because the environments that you're connected to. It's time to come out of the unbelief of what is possible. It's time to come into the belief of what is possible. It's time to unwrap all those things that are still holding you back, that are still on you. Those mindsets, the discouragements, the disappointments, the hopelessness that maybe is still a remnant on you right now. And it's time to come out of that place of isolation. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. For my part, I am going to boast about nothing but the cross of our master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world. Set free. Set free from the stifling atmosphere. I love this. Of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. God wants to set you free from pleasing others and the fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Remember this, God has canceled your old life. So we can come out, Jesus in this moment canceled death in Lazarus's life. Just like the father canceled death for Jesus. Jesus conquered death, came out of the tomb on the third day. Lazarus came out of the tomb on the fourth day. Jesus called him out. He's calling you out today. He's canceled your old life. He's reminding you today that the reason why you could come out of isolation and deal with all these things. I'm talking about a metaphoric isolation here again, guys. The reason why you could come out is because Jesus has canceled your old life. So I'm declaring over you today that you are coming out of isolation. Why don't you just, wherever you are, just stand up right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would receive this and however it applies to you, however it connects to you, however it connects to your season right now, that you would just feel free in this season. I know that for me, one of the greatest things that I've been meditating on every single day is just this idea that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This revelation that he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of what I need to combat whatever is coming at me, whatever is, you know, stirring up within me, whatever emotional, mental, spiritual challenges that oppose me are coming after me. I'm just, God, make me a man of peace. I want to be a man of peace. I don't want to be a peacekeeper. I want to be a peacemaker. But first I got to make peace within myself. If there's stuff going on within myself and you know, battles and conflicts, God, I want you to settle my soul in stillness. I want to be still with you, God. Be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46 verse 10. In the place of stillness, you have a deeper understanding of who God is, what his nature is like. And so my prayer is that you would see and experience the peace of God in this season in a way that you've never experienced it before. And even as a result of that, you would begin to come out of these isolated places in your life and shake some of this stuff off and come into the real version of you, the real version of you. Like I said, this Lazarus moment was 
a picture and a foreshadowing of the born again experience to be reborn, so to speak. It was like Lazarus was like reborn. Yes, he was resurrected. When we give our lives to Jesus, we have been, we are raised to new life with Christ, Ephesians says. We've been raised to new life. We are raised and now we're seated with him in heavenly places. We are reborn of the spirit. John 3, verse 3, unless you want to see the kingdom or enter into the kingdom, you must be born again to be reborn of the spirit, raised to new life with Christ. Christ. It's the real version of ourselves to be adopted into the family of God, to be adopted as sons. And maybe you're watching right now and you've never said yes to Jesus. You don't know what would happen to you if you were to die today. You have no assurance. You have no confidence. This is your moment right now to say yes. You stopped on this broadcast by accident. You're here. Maybe you didn't see any of the message, but this part. There's a reason why you're here today watching this moment. Maybe you're on the cusp of some big decisions. You've been searching for truth. And I just believe this. Jesus wants you to know this, that he is the truth that will set you free. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life you've been looking for. And all you have to do, Romans 10 says, is confess with your mouth that Jesus is God, he's Lord, and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. The res without a resurrection, there would be no faith. Without a resurrection, with only a death, there would be no faith. But because there was a death and a resurrection, you can have your resurrection. You can become that Lazarus in this moment and come out of all the things of the past that were holding you down. You can become what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 declares, a new creation in Christ, where all old things pass away and all new things, and all things become new. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. He's a God of the new. He doesn't just fix you. He makes you a brand new you. But it was always the real you. It was the real you that originated before the foundation of the earth began. God knew you. He had a plan for you to prosper you. And you're in this moment right now on that bridge, in that, 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 that the crosshairs of life right now. And all you have to do is lean in and say, yes, I want that. I accept that. It's a free gift called the gift of eternal life. And all you have to do today is unwrap the greatest gift by saying, yes, I believe you're God. I believe you were raised from the dead, Jesus. I want you in my life. I receive your forgiveness right now. I make you Lord. I make you the leader today. And I commit today to walk with you in relationship. But I want a religion that I have to follow full of obligations, rules, and regulations. I want a relationship. Out of that place, I choose to honor you. So today, I make that choice. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. I want to experience your reality. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you for real in Jesus' name. If you leaned into that, what I just said, you made the best decision you've ever made in your life. And I want to encourage you, email the email on the screen because I know this is the best decision. We want to help walk with you, pray with you, support you any way that we can. And we'd, of course, love to see you. For everybody else, and including you that just made that decision, I want you to just take a moment, close your eyes as I pray for you, as we close. And I'm just going to make a declaration over you in this season for everyone watching that could relate to anything that was said today. You're coming out of isolation. You're coming out of those places. You're moving from that dark place in your head into a new place of light, of burdenless spirituality. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's your word in this next season. It's going to feel lighter in this season. It's felt heavy. It's going to feel lighter. You got some things still wrapping you up. God's going to unwrap you in this season. Things holding you back. God's going to unwrap those and move those things that are holding you back in this season. 
God's going to give you a new fresh faith to believe for what actually is possible in that season, in this season. And God is going to take that smell away. And the smell he's going to give you is the smell of his fragrance, the smell of his love, the smell of his grace. He's going to turn things around in this season for your business, your family, your relationships, and everything you put your hands to in Jesus' name. God bless you, Kingdom Culture. I hope this encouraged you. Can't wait to see you next week, potentially, if you didn't come this week. And don't forget to RSVP online. Very important. And I want to encourage all of you. Have an amazing, amazing Sunday. God bless.